family members visiting and uh, different ones in town and different guests with us as well here today. So welcome. I'm uh, Pastor James, in case any of you haven't met me before or just had forgotten. <laughs> highly possible. Um, and that's okay. But we, um, we come to this final Sunday of Advent and it's been a great journey Uh, This is the season of the year again, remember, when we are thinking about God's coming. Uh, That's what Advent means, coming or arrival. And we've been reflecting and thinking in these weeks about the various ways that Christians believe God comes, that he came as a baby in the person of Jesus 2,000 years ago or so, that he'll come again one day in glory. Jesus will come again to, to gather his people to himself and to set all things right. And we've been thinking even about the ways that God comes to us really in all the moments of all our days, in the presence, the power of His Holy Spirit. We say with confidence that ours is a God who comes. And uh, he, he is a God who, who could have remained distant, but instead decided to mix it up with humanity. The God who could have uh, stayed separate, who could have stayed away. He's so great, though, that He could dare to condescend to our level. He's a God who is so loving that not only did he send someone, but he, he stooped down to where we are and entered into our frailty and into our humanity. People talk about humanity's search for God. Advent tells us that it's actually God searching for humanity. We talk about finding Jesus, right? You've heard that expression, perhaps you've used it. Advent reminds us that it's actually Jesus who finds us. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Jesus is coming, is finding, is reaching to us even today. So this year, we've been uh, not only thinking about Advent, we've been celebrating Advent. That's been our theme, to celebrate Advent, and thinking not necessarily in terms of come and go, uh, uh, open houses. Notice this is my joke from every uh, year to year, so I need to be sure and make it again this year. It is a come and go (laughs) open house today at the Kinsler home. And uh, so Kylie just reminded me that if you stay till 7, you get the vacuum. So (laughs) that's the the point at which the uh, cleaning supplies come out and uh, you get to join in the fun. So uh, come and go. That's, That's really not to necessarily relieve us, but relieve you. We know that you're busy. You have lots going on. Your family's in town. Things are happening. If you can come for five minutes, have a peanut butter ball and hit the road, you're better for it. I'm telling you. And so are all of us. So this is not the kind of celebrating, although this is a good kind of celebrating. This is not the kind of celebrating we've been talking about. We've been talking about celebrating Advent as, in, as if it were a sacrament. And in a sense, Advent is a sacrament. A sacrament is a physical thing that points to a spiritual reality. And and in a sense, Advent, this, this space, this physical time and space, this season, is pointing us to this deeper reality that, that God is present in the world. And when we celebrate Advent, we, we then begin to live into, and this is what we've been trying to do, is to live into this reality, this, this truth that God is present in the world. We've been trying to participate in this reality, to, as one writer said it, to practice the presence of God. And so as we demonstrate love and care for one another, as we 
carry out these intentional acts of mercy towards those who are in need that we've been talking about, as we point people toward the one who can bring life. In all these things, we proclaim this truth that our God comes, that God is present, and we celebrate Advent. Our scriptures for these weeks have been helping us to consider the ways that we might practice the presence of God. The first week we talked about being ready, and we talked about living life in an urgent, with a sense of urgency because of the fact that God has come in Jesus and He's coming again. Second week, we remember John the Baptist warning uh, to not let history or tradition or religion kind of uh, speak for our faith, but to let uh, our fruit-bearing lives, right, the fruit that we're living out each day, demonstrate our faith. And then last week, we were encouraged to be blessed as we join with Jesus in carrying out His mission and His purposes in the world. And hopefully, we've been experiencing these things over these weeks. Well, finally this week, our invitation, and hopefully you were able to see it in that very small print on those videos, and I apologize to those of you sitting in the back or with other issues that cause you not to be able to see that print, um, uh, but hopefully you saw that the theme for this week is to be amazed, to, to be amazed at the reality of what God has done for us and what God has done for the world in the person of Jesus. We're invited to hear the story again with fresh ears, with a fresh heart, with fresh imagination, and to again stand in awe at the beauty and the power of this story. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. We've been spending our whole Advent season in the Gospel of Matthew. And again today in chapter 1, Chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, and love to have you turn there with me if you're able and follow along. If uh, you like this printed word on the screen, it, uh, if you prefer that, there it is for you. Let's stand together, can we, as I read this? Follow along, and at the end, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, and you can say thanks be to God. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Uh, there's a comedian named Louis C.K., or Louis C.K., some of you have heard him before, 
And uh, um, I was going to show this clip, but I couldn't quite find enough extended clip that was actually appropriate for church. So I'm going to have to summarize some of what he said. But he has this interview with Conan O'Brien that he did a number of years ago. If you haven't seen it, I, I can, without reservation, encourage you to go home and watch it. It just isn't quite appropriate for these screens. Um, but but it was a great, great interview. And in it, what I was reminded of it because in it he has this phrase. He just says, everything is amazing and nobody's happy. Everything is amazing and nobody's happy. And, and uh, he, he's really talking in this interview about the breakthroughs in technology that we've experienced over the last number of years. And, and uh, how this has led to great advancement, but with this advancement has led to raised expectations, so then when not all our expectations are met, there's even a greater level of discontent uh, among people today. And he shared this great story about the rotary phone. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but you know how we used to stand and dial and dial and dial and wait for it to go back? And he talks about how people, if they had zeros in their phone number, you just hated those people. Because it'd be like, all the way back and, and the problems that that would cause. And now he talks about how people, with, they're not only just making a phone call, but they're, they're looking up information on their phone and it takes more than like two seconds and they're like, come on, what's the matter with this? He says, be patient, it's going to space <laughs> and back, be patient. He, he talks not only about the phones, but he talks about air travel and this is one of my just favorite parts of this whole conversation. He talks about how we just complain if our flight is delayed 20 minutes. And then we finally get on the plane and, and we have to wait on the runway for another 40 minutes. We're like, can you believe this? I mean, my flight was delayed for 20 minutes. Now I have to wait for 40 more minutes. And he says, do you not realize that you are participating in the miracle of flight? <laughs> you are sitting in a chair in the sky. And yet we take this just for granted. He says, everything is amazing. And yet no one is happy. And he has some other examples that you'll want to check out. Seems to me that this is somewhat similar to maybe the reality as we approach the Christmas story again this year. Everything is amazing and no one's happy. Maybe we don't have to say it quite like that. Maybe we could say that everything is amazing and yet no one's really that surprised or shocked or in awe of just what it is that this story is teaching us. Most of us are fairly familiar with the facts of the case. i got news for you. They haven't changed since last year. This is the thing about us preachers. We don't get much new material. It's just, you know, David always beats Goliath. And... and uh, and, and Mary is always a virgin. They're always engaged, not married. We're not finding out new information this year. There hasn't been a new revelation that has come to us about the Christmas story. And yet, I want to suggest to you that what we have to work with here is so amazing, so incredible, so deep, that we could talk about it for the rest of our lives and never get used to the fact and exhaust the majesty and the wonder of this story. And so I want us to consider again some of the truth that this story proclaims to us today. That if we let them, they might just amaze us. Once again, or in some cases, 
for the very first time. The first, uh, first one, I've, I've written these up here for you. I, I, want us to, I want to invite you to be amazed by the activity of the Holy Spirit in this story. I think that's the first one I got there. Be amazed by the activity of the Spirit. Amazed by the activity of the Holy Spirit. I think most of us remember that this story is about God the Father sending God the Son, Jesus, into the world. But oftentimes we forget about the vital role that the third member of the Holy Trinity plays in this story. We heard about it and we heard about the role of the Spirit in the creed that we read this morning. And we read in Genesis chapter 1 that when God created the heavens and the earth out of this dark and empty void, that, that the Spirit was there hovering over the waters. And again, now in Matthew, I want us to see that here at the beginning of the New Testament, as God is again in the business of creating, now renewing, now recreating, again, the Spirit is hovering, is hanging out, is present, is active, is giving life. We teach and we uphold a belief. We proclaimed it again in our creed this morning. Uh, the virgin birth. Better said, a virgin conception, in a sense, of Jesus in Mary. This is a significant doctrine for several reasons and, and uh, one that I think is important for Christians to continue to hold on to today. However, we need to be careful, if you're anything like me, we need to be careful when we think about this virgin birth, that we don't somehow suggest that Mary was completely alone in the process. I think sometimes we just think that there was this teenage girl, angel comes, tells her she's going to have a baby, and voila, pregnant baby coming on the way. But Matthew's gospel tells it differently. Matthew makes it clear to us that Mary was found to be with child, hear the words, through the Holy Spirit. That what was conceived in her, as the angel says later, was from the Holy Spirit. Now let's don't get carried away as some traditions have in the past. There is nowhere here or anywhere else in Scripture, any indication of actual sexual relations between Mary and the Holy Spirit. That is not what is going on here. Let's be very, very clear on that. But what Matthew wants to make clear to us as well is, and what I think what God really wants to make clear to us in His Word, is that it is the Holy Spirit who is the spiritual source of Jesus in the womb of Mary. It is the Holy Spirit who brings Jesus to conception in that place. It is the Spirit who brings life, who makes Jesus alive in this particular life. Now, I hope you agree with me that this whole idea is pretty amazing. If for some reason, everything that I've said thus far, you do not find amazing, could you just have your neighbor check your pulse really quick? You might not be heart, have your heart beating. We should be in shock. We should be in awe. We should step back and say, what in the world is going on there? The Holy Spirit has worked in such a way to bring life into this life. 
But if for some reason this isn't doing the trick for you quite yet, let me share with you one more thought on this that might just do it. If you want to know what's even more amazing about the Holy Spirit's activity in the life of Mary is what it teaches us, I believe, about the Spirit's ability and desire to get ready to do the same thing. And in all of us. Now, don't freak out. I don't plan on getting pregnant. Yeah, amen, some of you said. But what I do believe is that the Holy Spirit wants to give birth to the person of Jesus. The conception of Jesus in my life. And I believe that it is the Spirit's role... And what Matthew's Gospel will flesh out and the rest of the New Testament will show is that it's the Spirit's job to bring the life of Jesus into the lives of human people in very real and powerful ways. And if we will be open to it, the Spirit will amaze each of us once again by bringing the life of Jesus into our own lives. This is the only way it works, by the way. If you've been wondering, if you've been trying, if you've been, you know, gritting your teeth trying to get Jesus' life to be more present in yours, if you've been praying for someone else and thinking, Jesus, just come on, awake, be present in their life, keep praying, keep searching, keep longing, but the only way this happens is when the Spirit gives life in those Places. This is the testimony of the New Testament. It's the testimony of so many of our lives as well. Dale Bruner says it like this, when Jesus Christ comes to anyone in history, even in His advent coming to Mary, it is always the work of the Spirit, not of human preparation or enterprise. Every conversion is a virgin birth. The Holy Spirit is able, and he wants to make Jesus alive in your life today. Amazing. All right, here's the second one. Be sure to be amazed by the announcement of the angel. Especially the part I want to draw attention to about the name that Joseph is to give this baby boy. You're to give him the name Jesus because we will save his people from their sins. We've read that, you've heard that, maybe you know all about this. Our names can say a lot, right, about us. And this is definitely the case of Jesus. My middle name is Floyd. Don't snicker. Don't snicker. Yeah, I can tell. Um, This is my grandfather's name. My dad is here, his dad. And uh, when I was a kid, I gotta be honest, I was a little bit embarrassed by the middle name Floyd. Sorry. We're a lot of other mentors and models, you know, like Floyd the Barber, I think that was one, and not a lot of others to kind of pattern my, I think Pretty Boy Floyd, Pink Floyd, yeah, these weren't really doing it for me <laughs> as a kid, nothing against Pink Floyd, Pretty Boy Floyd, not so much, um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, it just wasn't really, it wasn't until I got older, and it wasn't really until I began to think just more clearly about this, this grandfather of mine who died young from polio. My dad was only five years old. And uh, I never knew him. My dad barely knew him. But I began to hear stories 
from my dad, from others who had known him. And he was a preacher, a pastor as well. And I began to hear these stories about his legacy. And I, I just began to think, wow, if I can ever just, you know, in the entirety of my life somehow just reach kind of that much of what my grandfather did in 35 years, then uh, I'll be thankful. And I, and I just have owned the, the legacy, and I have a picture of him in my office, and the legacy of my, my grandpa Floyd. And, and that name it means something to me. Perhaps you have a story about your name as well, a family member, a, a, a mentor that your parents had that's meaningful to you. Well, no story and no name is more amazing than the one that has been given to this baby. The name Jesus, as many of you know, again, was derived from the name Joshua, which meant God saves or literally God help. And uh, some commentators have suggested that there were a lot of babies named Jesus in this day because while their mother was giving birth, she was yelling, Joshua, God help me. Get it? Okay, a little birth humor. Sorry, didn't really go over very well. Um, no doubt, Matthew intended... See, if I had a, like an actual mother up here saying that, like if I had Jessica up here, right? Maybe you heard some of that. I don't know. Um, it would have gone over better, but it didn't. So, we'll move on. Matthew undoubtedly intended his readers to hear the pun, right? Joshua, God help, God saves. This baby will be an agent of the salvation of God. He will save his people from their sins. He goes ahead and spells it out. You don't even have to you know, understand the pun. He spells it out for us here. But what's interesting is that Christians have historically and traditionally gone even a step further with this name. We have proclaimed that in this two-word summary or this two-word expression of the name of Jesus, God saves, we actually have a definition of who Jesus is and what he does. Jesus is God. He is not God light. He's not God junior. He's not the vice president. He's not the assistant general manager. We read the words earlier from the creed, God from God, light from light. Begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. This is our Jesus. Mysteriously one with the Father. Mysteriously God Himself. And thus worthy of all our worship, and of all our lives, or none of it at all. There's not room in the Christian tradition for a question as to, well, you know, Jesus is a good guy. Yeah. Kind of God, I guess. God saves. Not just an agent of the salvation of God, but himself carrying out the action of God. God, worthy of our worship and all our lives, or none of it at all. Secondly, the name's amazing because it reminds us that Jesus comes to, to save, to do the action of God. And, and I like the addition here because 
when, when the ancients would have read God saves, they'd be like, yeah, God saves. Jesus saves. He saves us from our enemies. He saves us from the sins of our enemies. But that's not what this says. He'll save who? His people. From what? From their own sins. No doubt the people reading Matthew's account would have leaned in at this point and said, read that part again. I don't think I heard you right. That said, he'll come to save us from the sins of other people, right? Let me just make sure I got that. And Matthew's like, no, no, no. I wrote it like I heard it. I wrote it like it was reported to me. He'll come to save his people from their sins. This Jesus comes through the power of the Holy Spirit to each of us individually, personally, to do a transforming work in us. To not leave us the way he found us, but to change us, to forgive us, to make us new to make us his people. Finally, here's the last. Be amazed by the obedience of Joseph. Our world is full of superheroes and action heroes, models and examples. Some are better than others. Uh, The box office, the TV, the athletic field, they're all filled with potential heroes. But I want to suggest that if you're looking for a hero in the Christian faith, Other than Jesus, you need to look no further than Joseph, who gives us an amazing example here in just these short few verses. He's the prototype, we might say, for Christian disciples everywhere and in every place. Do you want to talk about a guy caught between a rock and a hard place? It's Joseph, a righteous man, caught between what he knows to be the legal response to a woman who has gotten herself into the situation that Mary has, get rid of her, and potentially worse, and this righteousness that is in him that is creating this compassionate heart that that knows that she is a child of God at some level and wanting to care for her and for her well-being. And so he decides in his best thinking to divorce her and to dismiss her quietly until this angel shows up and tells him what's really going on in this situation. Verse 24 gives us the description of Joseph's activity we might all take on as our mission statement. I love this. I just read it over and over. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, and this is the part, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. The Lord had spoken a new direction, a new word. Neither of the ways that Joseph had thought appropriate to this point were actually the right ones. Amidst the complexity of the situation, Joseph is able to listen for the voice of God. He's able to prayerfully wrestle with these different alternatives and different ways forward, and to hear God speak. And when he speaks, Joseph acts. And not only does he act, but he acts immediately, and he acts decisively, and he acts with great humility. It's interesting and telling, I think, that Joseph never speaks in the New Testament. Did you know that? Just a little Bible trivia. Maybe you were aware of that. 
Joseph never talks. He never is quoted. There's no words that come from Joseph's mouth. What he does is he gets instructions. Take the woman. Go to Egypt. Go to Nazareth. Name him this. Do that. Raise him this way. Go there. Joseph, I mean, you talk about a honeydew. This guy has his list of instructions, and they just keep coming from all these different places. And I don't think Joseph is just some patsy. I think he just takes instruction and follows it well. And again, right from the start, right from the start of his gospel, Matthew is highlighting a person, and we have to pick this up, he's highlighting a person, Joseph, who is living out what his adopted son will soon teach, and will teach throughout this gospel. His obedience here and throughout is simple, it is prompt, it is unspectacular, it is done not for glory, not for attention, not for celebrity, but purely for God's honor and for his glory. In fact, we might say that what's so amazing about Joseph is the fact that he is so unamazing. He is so faithful. This guy would never get a reality show. We learn from him and from this story that our obedience as well is to be lived out in this fashion. Hear these words, simple unadorned, non-dramatic, unhesitating, amazing. Be amazed by the obedience of Joseph. A few weeks ago, I caught this 60 Minutes story about the rise of Amazon. Not to be confused with amazing, but uh, maybe some of you saw it. Anybody see that? special on 60 Minutes. I don't normally watch it, but I just happened to flip over at that point, and it was uh, on, so I thought it was pretty interesting. Who would have thought that 10 or 15 years ago that you could go home this afternoon and click a few times on your computer, and something will arrive at your doorstep tomorrow? And not just something, but nearly anything (laughs) that you could desire? You can go to this website, and you can order up and have it arrive. And uh, now Amazon, according to this article, is talking about providing groceries sooner than later and about having drones that will be delivering packages to our doors. And uh, it just began to dawn on me, or I began to wonder about it this week, how long will it be before I consider it no big deal that a drone is landing on my doorstep. How long will that be before I'm like, ah, package is here. Get off my Fly away. Well, my hope today is that the Christmas story is a very big deal, that none of us have allowed it to become not a big deal in our lives. That we are amazed by what God has done for us, not only through the Holy Spirit and through the announcement of the angel and through the obedience of Joseph, but that we're amazed by what God has done for us in the giving of His Son. And I want to give us this morning just a moment to respond.
one more time here at this altar of prayer. We've been doing this throughout the season of Advent, and we want to save this time for the last thing today. But I'm going to have our, our singers and music leaders come, and they're going to sing this wonderful song that has some great Advent and Christmas themes. Here I am to worship. And I want to invite you into a few moments, into a, a, a season here, even in these moments of, of wonder and of amazement and of worship. And there may be some of you that would just say, you know, I, I need to go kneel at that place of prayer. I need to go to that altar because I need to declare to God that my heart is open in a new way to the movement of the Holy Spirit. My, my life, my, my, my soul, everything that I am is open in a new way today to the Spirit who might want to bring the life of Jesus to me in a new and a fresh way. There might be others of you who just need to say, I just need to bow down before this Jesus who is God. And I need to declare again in my life and for anyone who cares to see that I will worship Him and live my life for Him, all of me, all of me. Others may just need to say, I, I've been responding to the grace of God, but it's been taking me a few seconds or a few moments each time, and I want to respond more quickly. The obedience of, G, of Joseph, the model of Joseph, to be mine. Again, others might just come and kneel in utter amazement, declaring your wonder at this story. Let's sing together. Let's lift our voices. Let's stand together. Let's lift our voices in song. And I invite you to come and kneel here as we do.